0: Welcome to the Teacher's Lounge presented by Curriculum Track, a brief retreat from your daily routine to explore the latest thinking and practices for faith-based educators and instructional leaders from all over. Join us as we swap innovative ideas geared towards promoting your school's mission, and we'll keep the conversation as fresh as you like your coffee. I'm honored to be joined today by two people who've come to mind quite regularly over the past few weeks as the events at Israel have unfolded. The first is a new friend to me, Dr. Josh Holtkamp, principal of Whitwell Middle School in Whitwell, Tennessee. Whitwell Junior High or Middle School is known for its Children's Holocaust Memorial, commemorating the children we lost in the Holocaust. And we'll share more details about that and how I met Josh in the next few minutes. But first, let me welcome him to the Teacher's Lounge. Hi, Josh. Hello,
1: hello, good afternoon.
0: It's great to have you with us. I'm also happy to have my friend and a friend of Curriculum Track. Our podcast listeners have met before, Anna Eisen. Join us again. You're probably familiar with Anna's story, or at least parts of it. Both of her parents survived the Holocaust in Poland. Uh, Her father was in a concentration camp. Her mother survived mostly in hiding during the war and also helped the children of Poland during and after the war what i don't think we've had much time to talk about in our podcast anna is the fact that you founded the jewish congregation beth israel there in collieville texas did i get that right you did and that synagogue experienced its own tragedies around anti-semitism that made national news at the time and you were somewhat involved with that but i want to welcome anna back to the podcast to share her experiences and insights from that perspective and the wealth of knowledge that she has about the Jewish community being a Jew and being a descendant of Holocaust survivors and so forth. So welcome. It's great to talk to you again.
2: Thank you. So happy to be back with you again in the teacher's lounge.
0: Yeah, we try to make the teacher's lounge typically a happy place, a place to share ideas and laughs and encouragement. Today, it's a little bit more somber, I'm afraid, but I think our times call for that. I personally have been glued to the news coming out of Israel. We actually plan to have this conversation together before the events in Israel occurred a couple of weeks ago. But I think it's really timely for us to come together like this. And I just wanted to ask both of you how you're reacting Or how you have been processing the news that you've heard out of Israel, and maybe share what has driven that reaction and those feelings that it's brought up for you, Josh. Why don't you go first, if you don't mind?
1: Sure, I appreciate that, Michael, and thank you for allowing me to come to the teachers' lounge. One thing that I'm very concerned about is I live in a community of about 1,600 people and not well-traveled. So folks here really don't know what Judaism is, who Jews are, what the conflict is in the Middle East. They just know that the Palestinians have invaded Israel and there's a war. And the big thing I'm trying to teach my students is Hamas does not represent the Palestinians and vice versa. And so... It's become a school issue because our school focuses on the Holocaust, focuses on Holocaust survivors, focuses simply on memories of the Holocaust. And we give tours of our museum. So students want to know what's going on. And parents want to know what's going on. Unfortunately, our memorial has suffered, been shut down because of this. So that even leaves more questions. So... Personally, I'm glued to whatever I can be glued to because there are questions daily and they will know what the public school principal thinks about this message.
0: Yeah. Do you feel like, Josh, that our trip, you and I w- were able to spend a couple of weeks in Poland and Israel over the summer together, sponsored by Kufi Christians United for Israel. And that's how we met. I found that being present, being there, seeing the sites that are currently under attack has probably impacted me more than I thought it would now that this news is coming out. Have you felt the same way in recent days?
1: Yeah, we were there. We were there. We saw the borders. We were actually there. Yeah. So when I see these attacks and when I see and hear of this, we were just there. Yeah. And it really has affected me. So I was able to share that firsthand experience with my students. We have an 8th grade curriculum now and their focus is the Holocaust. Right now they read the diary of Anne Frank. Things are really meshing together. I think it, it is somber, but it's a time of learning. Yeah. Above all.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully we can unpack a little bit more of that as we go. Today I think I've thought our shared experiences and I do try my best not to make myself the focus of this podcast, but these shared experiences I thought would be helpful to others in our community so I've Looking forward to unpacking that a little bit more with Josh. Anna, my mind, as soon as I started processing this, I started thinking about the other people who might be impacted and the fears, the concerns that would come to mind. And you were one of the first people I thought of because of your work. You live it daily, right? You live the experiences or sharing the experiences of your parents, but also the leadership that you've provided to your community to start a congregation for Jews there in Texas and even some of the attacks that they've had in the past. My first thought was, I wonder how Anna is processing this. What would she tell people as we're listening to the news? What are your fears and concerns? How would you address that?
2: That's a big loaded question. I would start by saying, For most of my life, I've been a Holocaust researcher, writer, filmmaker, educator. And so teaching about what happened, where you have people who didn't know or denied it, and never again was the vow we took, not necessarily thinking that this would happen again, but why it's important to learn. So it should never happen again. It has happened again. And I think the important parallel to draw is that the final solution was a government-sponsored ideology put into practice to basically kill every Jew. And what we see today, that's happened in Israel, that in Gaza, where Palestinians live, there was an election in 2006. They elected Hamas. And there has not been an election since then. And this is a government, and in their charter, it says clearly, the goal is to kill every Jew. Even poetically, it says, even if you find a Jew hiding behind an olive tree, you must kill him. Mm. Even though there have been so many times offers for two-state solutions, they want a final solution, not a two-state solution. And this act of massacre, even though it may not be on the scale, is as barbaric, as brutal, as medieval with what they've done, the kidnapping of these babies, as what was seen during the Holocaust. And so I think that it is good versus evil. I think the history is important, but it's important to know what's going on. So when you see people saying free Palestine, Palestine is free, Israel doesn't govern or occupy it. Whatever restrictions are there, the blockades are also put on by Egypt who don't want weapons going in because it is a government that is basically considered a terrorist organization. All of the Arab countries there, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, lately, Jordan, they've all been trying to develop peaceful relationships with the United States. And some people feel that this is even why Hamas chose now to act to disrupt any chance for peace.
0: You take the phrase, kill every Jew, that's obviously transcending any national boundaries that could be disputed over the course of the last 50, 60 years. That's a whole nother level of this conversation. But the charter to kill every Jew, chase them down, find them behind any olive tree, that transcends the territory. That transcends the region. That is looking for anyone who considers themselves, or maybe even people who don't even realize their ancestry is Jewish, and seeking to exterminate them. That is all-encompassing.
2: And they've made it clear through some of the jihadists the leaders have also proclaimed a day of jihad worldwide that after the jews they are coming for the christians we shouldn't forget what happened 9 11 that was not attack on the jews and that if by some terrible means every jew is killed or at least israel is overrun then the holy land will not just be devoid of jews but it will also be not open for christians and so i think Beyond the democracy, the importance of this territory as a center for all religions, it's important that we do what we can to protect the people and the country from falling into the hands of those that would utterly destroy it
0: right? There's a strong case to be made for Israel just from that perspective. And I think, and Josh, this might be interesting from your perspective. I think in some circles, we're trying to be non-political. We're trying to not take sides. We're trying to say, this is a regional thing. We got to be careful about whose toes we're stepping on. But ultimately, I think as Christians, as believers in truth, we have to, first of all, ask what is true? So, How have you addressed that in your circles? You're in a public school, which I think brings a whole new level of politics and carefulness. How do you address that in your circles?
1: Thank you for asking me that. I am blessed to be in a public school where I can tell a child, I'll pray for you. We have a community of great folks who are okay with that. Now, politically, that's probably not the best thing, but I'm okay with that. And people are okay with that. But I cannot, as a middle school, say we stand with whatever side. I appreciate you bringing that up. Now, people know that we are known for Holocaust education. People know that this school stands with Israel. However, we can't just, as much as I want to come out and say that, we can't do that. But we want to. But I don't know if there's any one on the other side, basically because we are just not educated in this school about what's going on. And we're not going to educate folks about that.
0: Anna, do you find it surprising, as I think I do, to hear someone, and I hear Josh, and I appreciate the wisdom that he exercises as he's trying to navigate the wide range of people that he's serving. But do you find it surprising for people to say, we have to be cautious with just coming out and saying, we stand with Israel at a time like this. Do you find that to be surprising? (laughs) My experience in Texas is different. Yeah. Because first off, we have
2: people that are saying from our governor, the mayor, and they are saying, we side with Israel and their need for self-defense and to eradicate Hamas. Of course... Everyone feels that the Palestinians should not be subject to dying and control and Sharia law under Hamas. They should live freely, their children, they should have the right to worship. But we're dealing with a terrorist regime now, just like the Nazis. I think you should feel that you're not condemning the Germans when you Uh say we condemn the Nazi government, the Nazi regime. So I haven't found that. I have found people that either side and say free Palestine The Jews, this is their fault. They deserve it. False information. But the majority of Americans, the government, senators, state senators, public officials, I'm doing a ton of work with the churches. This has been, I think, and I hear from the pastors, a really big change going forward in how we stand together in brothers and sisters. We're not squibbling about, is it happy holidays or Merry Christmas? I think that this has changed the relationship and what i've said is yes offer your christian prayers for me and i will offer our jewish prayers and together we pray together and i think as long as it's couched in the right language it's inclusive and it has been an incredible thing but i found people not people who are wishy-washy of course some social influencers who have to maintain their popularity don't want to take a stand But overwhelmingly, I'm finding that public officials, government, they are right there with us. And I just heard in the state of Florida, the governor passed a policy that no colleges, state colleges in the state of Florida, they've disbanded all pro-Hamas, pro-terrorist student groups because it's making it very unsafe. So I think we're at the beginning of seeing how this is going to change us because we don't want these protests. We feel they're dangerous. We've had to cancel events, and it's changed the way we live.
0: Let's just unpack that a little bit, because you've had an attack on your synagogue there in Beth Israel there.
2: January in 2022, there was a gunman who came from England, from Manchester. He flew all the way here. He had been radicalized. He was a jihadist that came in with a gun saying he had bombs and held my rabbi and friends hostage for 11 hours. He was trying to get a terrorist who was uh, a female, they called her Lady Al Qaeda, housed in a local federal prison near us in Fort Worth, released, and he thought by taking Jews hostage that he would get his demands met. I'm friends with speaking with these hostages. We're going out together and speaking together at church events. and just finding a lot of support. And my message is to the Christian community, when I look at Hamas, I can say you are standing on the shoulders of giants, the giants of the Nazis. And when I say to the Christians, you are also standing on the shoulders of giants from the Holocaust. But those giants are the Christians who hid Jewish children, who saved Jewish families, who took them into their homes, the convents, the orphanages who risk their lives and sacrifice their lives. And that it is this model of good over evil, light over darkness, that now I think these churches are really our brothers and sisters and taking the stand for righteousness, which we are so grateful. And when they say to the Jewish community, we see you, we're with you, I say, we see you too, and we need you, and we will never, ever forget that you are here for us.
0: So you are making yourself available to talk with Christian leaders and organization leaders who just want to spread the word and make sure that the right information is getting out, but at the same time, you're sharing that even that has to be limited for safety concerns.
2: Oh, the security is remarkable. I go to an event. It has to be held indoors. We can't be outside. Homeland Security has concerns. Then when we're indoors, there's SWAT, there's police cars. There was a big march in Dallas downtown with 3,000 supporters of Hamas and Palestinians. We were told, don't go, don't confront. We have to have bag searched, armed guards. We saw this in our synagogue. It just takes one person who decides when the adrenaline's going, as the principal knows, fight or flight takes place and the emotions take over without regard for consequences. And so... In this highly volatile time, it's important to try and avoid confrontation, which is not going to lead to anything at all. It's not going to free a hostage. It's not going to free the Palestinians who deserve safety and a life from Hamas. So,
0: But a lone vigilante, like the one that you encountered or your congregation encountered in 2022, I didn't realize it was that recent, a lone gunman like that, a lone ranger, that's scary enough. But when we see groups of people seeming to side with that kind of behavior on the nightly news, that takes it to a whole new level.
2: Yeah. And I don't think they realize, I think they don't know the history, not the Holocaust, and also not even the history of Israel, that the War of Independence was not like America. It wasn't like in 1948, they fought a war and they won their independence. It was the day after they received independence, they were attacked on multi fronts and they've had multiple attacks. They have never instigated a war. When you see on college campuses people marching, they don't understand that under Hamas they would not have this free speech. It's not a democracy. They would not be able to worship freely and the women would not have the women's rights. So I think that some think let's support the oppressed and they are indeed oppressed, but they're oppressed by Hamas, not by Israel. And I think that as you probably saw on your trip, Israel has Arabs who live there They serve in the government, and they're elected to the Knesset. They serve in the military, and they are not the ones here who are complaining. And many of them indeed died during the attacks on October 7th, trying to help and save Israelis.
0: Josh, I was fascinated on our trip. Our tour guide, Ronnie, proud Jew, loved to tell us Christians how we should be seeing these biblical sites. He was just amazing. And our bus driver was an Arab and they were the best of friends. They'd work together a lot. And Ronnie would share, and you can share any experiences you have along, but Ronnie would say, our Jewish tour guide, he'd say, we're friends. We want to work together. We're not enemies. The Other people out there make this up. We're good friends. We just want to get along. I don't know if you have any memories along those lines or not, but.
1: I tell you, I went to Israel the first time back in 2018, we visited a lady who wrote a book. I lived there. 10,000 years. She was in a nursing home and her caregiver was Arab and they had the best relationship. She would just, especially on Shabbat, let the Arab do it. Let the Arab do it. They were the best of friends. And absolutely on the trip that was sponsored by KUFA, the same thing. We've got friends that are riding together, they're talking together. And my prayer is that this just doesn't tear them apart because of the bonds that they've created. But You're so right about that, Michael, is that all Israel has ever done is wanted to be friends. Israel is no place for there to be any attack. Israel has always been the land of the free. They'll come over here. We'll let you work. And to see this, it's heartbreaking. And especially for those folks that are Arab and do not support Hamas because now Hamas has come out as we are the Supreme Arab, and that's not fair either. That's what I'm trying to get across to our kids here. And it's very hard to do, but Hamas is not, does not represent the Arab people.
2: Well, even if you look at who was taken hostage, they're not all Israelis. It shows you the melting pot, the welcoming pot that Israel is. There were Americans and British and Germans. There were 17 from Nepal. And of all different countries, nationalities, different religions, not all Jewish. And so I think that shows you that this has affected the world. It's not just the Jews and the Israelis.
0: But this battle for good and evil, and without trying to be too broad brush here, I feel like the Holocaust and even our current conflict, it really comes down to good versus evil. And you can spiritualize that any way you want. It goes all the way back to the garden in some ways, but... It comes out front and center here. And I think, Josh, you have a unique perspective. You were sharing that the memorial that your school hosts there in Tennessee, your school board has decided to shut it down for some of the same reasons that Anna was sharing as far as safety concerns. You want to tell us a little bit about the memorial and the thinking behind not making it available at the current time?
1: Sure. So our memorial hosts an authentic German rail car. It hosts over 16 Million paper clips after we got them all done, representing those Jews that had died. Also, the gypsies, the homosexuals, represents all of that. So, we are a higher threat level because our school does have this. But the school board did decide it was in the best interest of the safety of our children to go ahead and shut that memorial down. So, my Jewish friends may not
0: permanently, to- right? Like, just shut correct. it down during the current conflict in Israel.
1: 60 days right now is the time. We were actually set to host our 25th anniversary of the Paper Cups Project in November. You're right. However, we do expect it to go longer than 60 yeah, days. Yeah. But some people look at this and say, you know what? By shutting it down, you are not standing with us. And others say you're doing the right things. I don't know what the boundaries are there, but all I know is we have fantastic tour guides We have fantastic students that have trained the entire year to work with folks that are coming to the memorial that now are not going to get to.
0: Well, at the end of the day, you have to protect your students and not to belittle the memorial, but it's really just an object, a railway car with stuff in it, right? But yet it's a magnet for hate for those who would like to fight against the truth of the atrocities that people have experienced. That's just astounding, I think, to realize that it could draw violence just because of what it represents.
1: And it really has always been a concern of ours, but you may come to Whitwell Middle anytime, go to the local grocery store, pick up a key. So we've never had any threats, but this has taken things, as they say, to a whole new level.
2: Yeah. You can always do a virtual tour, record it, put it on the website. But I understand and I totally agree that you have to, our synagogues, Holocaust museums, we've been receiving bomb threats. This is an ongoing issue. And I think you have to have a realistic amount of fear. I think that to go out without having, taking precautions or knowing what you have to do, anyone in law enforcement would tell you that this is a time of heightened security it's not about standing with Israel, it's about protecting your students, your community. And that's what we have to do because there are those within our borders that would do us harm because we believe different, which is how it's been for Jews yeah. since it all began. Oh, right. So now I meet a lot of Christians who say, "Oh, I get it now. I really understand." And I said, "Yeah, it's a terrible thing. You used to have empathy and now you've got the experience yeah. yourself."
0: So we've tried to paint this picture of just the I don't want to say complexity, but just how big this is. Good versus evil, hatred, danger. There are legitimate fears that go along with this. Let's change directions a little bit and think about how do we as educators begin to help our students? Josh, you work with middle schoolers. Anna, you work with a lot of different groups. But how do we help young people who don't have the historical context and maybe not even a full understanding of geopolitical struggle good versus evil how do we help them begin to process this May let's start with josh how are you addressing this with your students those students who are looking forward to being a tour guide at your memorial and now they don't get that opportunity and what other conversations is this leading to
1: so i want to say that we just visited. I just came back on Monday. We went to Philadelphia and visited our friends from Philly and all of our tour guides and future tour guides, we hope, were on that trip. We took about 50 folks with us and we got lost. We spent about 30 <laughs> hours on a charter bus in all. There was lots of time to talk. They know what Dr. Holkamp gets up. My daughter was on there. She was like, Dad, don't start. I was like, no, we've got to talk. So I was really able to talk about the situation. And you could tell the fears on the faces. Lots of parents questioned whether or not their kids should be going because we were going to the synagogue. Once I got to talking, they got to asking questions. There's no doubt that those 48 students on that bus know where we are today. Now, I can't go in front of the entire school and go over the geopolitical climate, but...
0: 30 hours on a charter bus is a good opportunity, right?
1: (laughs) My goal is for those students who heard that, for them to go out now and talk to folks about
0: it. Yeah. And Anna, what are some of the messages that you're sharing or the truths that you would like for people to hold on to as they interact with other people and have conversations about what's going on in Israel even today.
2: I think we want to reinforce that what happened in the Holocaust was real. It was government sponsored. It was based on the fact that these people were Jewish. It didn't matter what country they lived in. There were more than 20 countries occupied. It didn't even matter if they weren't practicing Jews. You could have just one Jewish grandparent and it was an extermination project and that America, our country, we believe in freedom of religion. It's a democracy. And Israel, who tries to model this and live as a democracy, has still been the target of people who want to exterminate them or treat them poorly or declare war because of their religious beliefs, and that we have to understand the history. You can go back. You probably know way more than me, Michael, all the way back to how many different Roman empires and different peoples had Israel. It wasn't just like it was Israel, it was Palestine. It's a long, complicated history, but they were given independence. Palestine had some property after the Holocaust, and because the Jews had nowhere to go, and the next day, war was declared. And throughout these ensuing wars, no matter what we've tried to declare, any kind of peace options, they have refused them. And I think right now, it's important to know the accuracy of the history. There are different media outlets, some that are portraying or victimizing the Palestinians and some focusing on the kidnap. But I think that looking for a solution, it has to be an end of the violence. And even now, today, yesterday, even though the Palestinians are saying we have no fuel, they have no food, they still have plenty of rockets. They have not stopped firing rockets. So they are not showing even their own intention. Yesterday, there was apparently a group that came by sea, by land, by sea, by air, by paraglide, they're going to kill. And so I think it's important to be informed, to pray for us and to engage with us. It is hard. You have to take a break from it if you can and live your life, but find the balance to care because I think, and I'm sure Josh can attest to this, that what we are seeing on college campuses, the increased violence, the protests, is gonna filter into the high schools. Mm. These are siblings that are coming home. They're gonna be home Thanksgiving. They're seeing these protests, and if they don't have the right information, we see on the internet hundreds of scenes of people tearing down the posters of the kidnapped children, which, I mean, would you tear down a poster of a kidnapped puppy? Mm. It's just becoming a war within our country and other countries. And I think if we don't take a stand, then we empower the people that want to continue the aggression. So, as I said, I feel for the Palestinians. I think that they need to have a safe place and a safe life and food and care for their children and be free of Hamas. I'm not anti-Palestinian, I'm just anti-Hamas. But I think those lines are blurred and that's gotta be our job as educators to say, Like we see at Harvard and stuff, some of the big donors are saying, these are supposed to be our world leaders, and they don't even understand simple current events.
0: Yeah. The mantra after the Holocaust was the commitment, the promise was never again, never again. And yet we're hearing some people say today, and I hesitate to even go here, but some people say today, this is a second Holocaust for Israel, just on the scale of what's going on and the aggressiveness and the depth of depravity that we're seeing in these attacks what's your take on that do you feel like that's a fair comparison is this history repeating itself how do you see it
2: i wouldn't call it a second holocaust because it seems like that's a sacred term just like saying this is a second exodus okay you may want to call it that but there was like one exodus or a second garden of eden that sounds like a good name for a spa but not for really (laughs) renaming history. Yes, it is the largest number of Jews killed in a single massacre since the Holocaust. I think the level of depravity and the programming that has gone on to raise up a generation of young terrorists that would go in and do this with such force and violence may have even outdone some of the things that happened in the Holocaust. So... I don't know that I would call it a second Holocaust. I don't mind if other people do. I think the point is that you would think that in 2023, with all the advancements we have in this world, with technology, with globalization, that we are well-traveled, that we have access to information and education, that there would be people looking for a better solution than massacre. So I think our job is to inform, to educate, bring back the Ten Commandments, thou shall not kill. What's going on here? We can't equalize this in saying it's justified. This should never, ever be a solution to anyone's anger no more than a mass shooting in an American public school. Oh, you were justified, you were bullied, you felt bad, so you're gonna go and take retribution against innocent victims or children. What did they have to do with your feeling oppressed or repressed?
0: I think people today, myself included, are struggling to even know how to classify this, how to process it. That's really what we're trying to do is process it. We're looking for words. It's war. We forgot this is war. And we haven't had war live streamed before on social media. And that's a question maybe for Josh. You're dealing with junior high students who have more access to this kind of stuff than ever before. I was listening to another podcast the other day, Dr. Drew was on the podcast and he said, we don't know what impact this kind of exposure will have on children's brains. And that kind of hit me to realize we don't know the outcome of this from a traumatic perspective. What are you seeing, Josh, in the junior high hallways? How are you addressing that with your kids and their families?
1: There's not a lot of interest Here in our small town about this war, there's just not. It's another world. When we went to Beth Israel, Beth Am in Pennsylvania, Penn Valley, and I had to tell them how these Jews are connected to Israel because that's an unknown. So there's lots of learning here. But it's more like in my small town is we need our tax dollars here. It's a very conservative place. We don't need to be worried about this other world. I did join a Zoom uh, with one of my friends, Norman Einhor, who lives in Penn Valley. And they were talking about suppression on college campuses and how the internet and social media is killing these children, these students, especially the Jews that are listening to it. But we just haven't felt that here. It's just not a part of our culture in terms of... This is our small town. However, folks like me who are interested in the world and are interested in the museum, I follow all
0: of that. Can't get away from it.
2: But you know what? I think it is coming to a theater near you. Yeah. Because number one, what you see on the campus is you have to close the museum. You might have to get security for any kind of pro-Israel or worship services. In Texas, we have concerns about Lebanese terrorists crossing over the open southern border but also the fact like I just read online or that the US has asked and Israel's complied with kind of a pause probably till the end of this week because we have got to send in Americans, reinforcement to protect our military bases. So I think that as we're gonna start sending American troops there to protect our relationship with Israel, we may see that, and I think that is an important source is to listen to the American military because you may see an uptick in Americans That want to enlist? Or how is this going to be affecting, you know, once it starts to be Americans now being attacked in Syria and other countries? Because I think the last generation, I don't think they learned a lot about what happened in Afghanistan or Iraq. It was happening so fast, you couldn't put it in a textbook. So how do you teach live history? I just said to someone, wow, all those textbooks about the history of Israel, they're all going to have to be rewritten and edited now, because this is a big chapter. And so how do we teach current?
0: Do you think there's any going back from this? Is this been an earthquake on the geopolitical landscape? This is going to change the future forever, or are we going to return to status quo after a few days?
2: I think the goal is to take out the Hamas regime and put in whatever that looks like a Palestinian government that will secure the rights and better life for their people and allow better relationships. I think there's 1,300 to thousands of people from Gaza who have passes to go into Israel every day for work. So hopefully, but I don't know how long it'll take and what that government will be like. And then of course you have the problem that it's funded and directed by Iran. It is a big long-term thing, but it's been a long time coming. I remember when I was learning about UNRWA, I was speaking at schools and on your podcast and doing teacher training and it was like, this whole idea that anti-Zionism is anti-Semitism. And I thought, how do I explain that? Because we can criticize Israel. It's a government without hating Jews. But now it's finally come clear that this BDS boycott divest movement, that the anti-Zionism in America now is turned into anti-Semitism. It's not just about Israel because what the charter says is kill every Jew. It doesn't say we want our land back it says, kill every Jew, not even every Israeli. So I think we finally have got to put our minds around equating anti-Zionism is anti-Semitism. And that's a difficult thing because the United States is an open country. We allow people in and even people who want to do violence here.
0: Josh, maybe in terms of a last word as we wrap this up, I think we could go on all day, right? But you've mentioned that your students seem to be a little bit isolated, insulated from the broader events of the world. And maybe that's true for a lot of students across the United States who tend to focus more on their little hub on social media and not the bigger world. And maybe there's some good things from that. But I think my question is, so how do we help students who are in that mindset? And this is a big question, so I'll just prepare you for it. How do we help students who are isolated and insulated realize good versus evil, avoiding the broad brush strokes that we often apply to the other, the outsiders, the people who aren't like us or don't live near us. What are some of the tips or tricks or conversations you've had with your students? Just help them be more human and not tribal.
1: That is a good question and it is quite loaded. So what I've done recently is we have one of our school acronyms is ROAR, being responsible, organized, ambitious, and also respectful. So what I will do is bring that into when I'm able to talk about the Now I'm not really able to talk about it. Hey, are these folks being respectful? What about responsible? That leads to lots of questions, but I can't do this in terms of a theater. I've got to do it when people ask. Often I'll drop into classrooms, as I've done this morning, and say, hey, how's it going? What's going on? And do you know anything going on here? And we will talk. But I would love to just have an assembly and do all kinds of stuff. Can't do that. But we are getting that into our school. We are yeah. standing with Israel. It's just a little bit different than it would be if we were at a private school. I just can't wait.
2: But that may change, because I'll tell you, in Texas, the governor just came out and issued from the Texas education standards. They just issued guidelines, how to talk about this in the classroom, per grade, materials, resources. So it might be that in Tennessee, and I know, Michael, you work with people throughout the whole country. Mm -hmm. I'm happy to claim at least half of your schools are in Texas, so they will have these tools. But it may be that hopefully we will see resources and direction come, even though right now, It's evolving.
0: Yeah. And I think educators in general can just tighten their belts a little bit and be a little bit more bold because I think good versus evil and historical truths are on our side. And yet, Josh, what you expressed, I think, is spot on that relational approach, the interpersonal connections. If we want our students to be more human, we need to model that, right? We need to be human. And we need to help them process maybe more on a one-on-one basis. So I think that was really valuable insight as well.
2: Or with the parents too. Yeah. It's a good opportunity to have an assembly with the parents and say, this message has to be at home because we are seeing in mixed schools that there is more anti-Semitism, swastikas. And so we're trying to work with schools and superintendents and leaders to say, be aware. Tell your children, do not go and think this is an opportunity to bully or harass or intimidate people because just like we're adults, so I'm trying to refrain from fighting with anyone or offending anyone following those ROAR guidelines. I'm trying to be respectful.
0: And I know both of you would be happy to be a resource and to connect with other educators. Anna, share with us about your website and how people can get a hold of you.
2: Sure. So my website is my name, Eisen.com. And on it, you can contact me. I'm happy to do presentations or Zooms. I have two books out that is my father's Holocaust journey and also mine as a child of survivor. Also happy to report we have a film coming out that will be geared towards schools. We're about four months away from looking for distribution.
0: And you can learn more about Josh's school, Whitwell Junior High, and the Children's Holocaust Memorial there in Whitwell as well. And you can search that on Google, it's also on the Tennessee tourism site and so forth. So Whitwell Middle School, W-H-I-T-W-E-L-L Middle School. So thank you both for being with us today for this complicated, complex, difficult conversation. I really appreciate the work that you're doing to make a difference in your circle and your sphere of influence. And I think your messages will be helpful to others as well. Have a good day. Thank you both. Thanks for dropping by the Curriculum Track Teachers Lounge today. We hope this conversation helped you feel more connected to like-minded educators and provided you with a thought, an idea, or even just a smile as you seek to do all that you can for all of your students. If you found this conversation to be helpful, do us a favor and rate this podcast. Also be sure to share it with others. We would be grateful to hear from you with any ideas, questions, or thoughts that you may have. You can find ways to connect with us at curriculumtrack.com.